This gospel message is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Hour, a ministry of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, a Reformed denomination that strives to be faithful to the Word of God and the historic confessions of the Reformed faith, also known as Calvinism. In love for our great God, we proclaim the Christian faith and life that is founded on God's sovereign particular grace. As God's Word is expounded, we pray that these messages are a blessing to you. The Word of God recorded in Hebrews 11 verses 24 through 26 is timely. It addresses all who enjoy presently the riches of our society and land. We read there, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses had all the pleasures of sin and treasures of Egypt at his disposal. He lived in the lap of luxury. All this as opposed to his fellow Israelites who lived in poverty and under the heavy hand of persecution being put to hard labor. Moses' life was stress-free in contrast to his fellow countrymen who lived under the heavy burden of Egypt's hatred. Yet Moses made a choice. He did not have to. Though an Israelite by birth, he had been adopted by the king's daughter and lived in prosperity and ease. But Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. The question we must answer as we hear this word of God is, what choice do we make? We too live in the lap of luxury. The pleasures of sin are all around us. The riches of this world have been handed to us. Do we find the pleasures such riches can afford more important than casting in with the cause of Jesus Christ? One may not call himself a Christian while walking with and enjoying the sins of our present society. It is an easy thing to do, of course. The true believer is constantly under pressure by the wicked world. What is our response to the pleasures and treasures of this world? The example of Moses in our text inspires us to faithfulness to the cause of God in this world. We already learned of Moses in our last broadcast. We discovered the amazing way God spared Moses' life when he was an infant. Moses lived with his parents for the first few years of his life, until which time the princess of Egypt sent and took Moses to the palace to live with her there. Well, Moses was now forty years old. In our standards, this starts the period of middle-aged life. In the standard, standards of people then, this was still considered quite young. After all, Moses was eighty years old when he actually did deliver Israel from Egypt. By that age, we are retired and relaxing in our easy chairs. So, forty was still young. At the age of forty, Moses made a move, so to speak, to deliver the nation of Israel from her bondage. How he was going to accomplish this, we are not told. But certainly, the plan of Moses 
was not God's plan. God had something more amazing in store than, than Moses intended. But Moses already at this point in life understood that God would deliver Israel by his hand. But not now, not yet. First, Moses must forsake Egypt. In order to understand the faith of Moses, we must examine his place, first of all, in Egypt. As a young boy, he was taken from parents and home to the palace of the king of Egypt. He was adopted there by the daughter of Pharaoh and became a member of Pharaoh's household. By this he became known. He was the prince of Egypt, and everything that this included. Such a position carried with it certain privileges. He had honor as a member of the royal household, honor as great as, if not greater than, Joseph when Joseph ruled in Egypt. Moses had a certain amount of power and authority. Servants waited on him. He could order them about, and they would heed his command. What is more, the treasures of Egypt were his. The luxuries and comforts of the palace, wealth, great riches, we learn, were at his disposal. He had everything money could buy. The onions, the leeks, and the garlics of Egypt were his. As we said earlier, his life was one of ease and security. He lacked nothing. The term riches in verse 26 here of Hebrews 11 literally means plentitude or abundance. While the term treasures refers to a storehouse of precious things such as silver, gold, and precious jewels. In either case, we are presented with the picture here in our text that Moses was taken out of his very poor surroundings, where his parents were subject to cruel labor, to a place of ease and comfort, from a place of work to a place where wealth provided for every luxury. Added to this, we learn from our text that in the palace were found the pleasures of sin. This does not simply refer to the simple pleasures of life that we in our wealth enjoy today, but reference is here made to the allurements and temptations that money can afford that draw us away from God and our calling as believers in this world. The pleasures of sin entice us to walk in the way of disobedient to God's word and commandments to give in to the base lusts and desires of our sinful flesh. Such pleasures as greed, fornication, drunkenness, idolatry, and irresponsible living, that is, laziness, frivolous spending of our money, misuse of our time and talents, living only for fun, and living only for the day, and such like. All, all that was a part of life in the palace of Pharaoh. All of this was at the fingertips of Moses as a young boy and as a young man. No one in the palace, such as parents or godly friends, were present to hold Moses in check if he were prone to stumble into such sins. There is one other advantage that Moses had in Egypt that is not included in our text tonight. This was an advantage that also could make or break him as a young man growing up in the palace. Acts 7 verse 22 informs us that Moses was a powerful man in Egypt in words and deeds because he was taught in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians. In other words, Moses was a man of learning. He was not a slouch when it came to his education. He was taught in the sciences, the history, the advanced mathematics of the Egyptian people. 
He learned organizational skills and how to manage and lead people. Evidently, he revealed his skills, too, by what he said and did. He was known in Egypt, and probably in Israel, too, for his knowledge and understanding and powerful deeds. So here was this Hebrew man, taught in the ways of the Egyptians, with the honor and the authority of the royal household. The Israelites, in their envy, probably wrongly perceived him as a traitor to their nation, one who stood aloof from them and despised them. All, of course, which was not true. For forty years Moses lived in these conditions. At the age of forty he made a choice. We read in verse 25, Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. It was not a choice God dragged him into, making him do this against his will. It was a conscious choice Moses made by means of the working of God's grace in his heart. As he grew, Moses' eye was always upon his people. Though an Egyptian in learning and wealth, Moses remained an Israelite in his heart. He had his plans. He was set to deliver his people from Egypt. What those plans were, we really never learned, because God thwarted his plans. Moses had much to learn before Moses was ready to deliver this nation. Besides, the nation had not suffered long enough. They were stubborn in their own sin with no desire to be as of yet delivered. Moses, however, not realizing all of this, decided to visit his brothers in Israel. He did not simply decide that he was going to pay a call on a family or two in Israel. He decided to take action. He decided that he would set in motion his plan. Why? Because this nation was his brethren. He loved this nation. He belonged to God's cause and covenant together with them, so he visited them. One day an Israelite was being beaten by one of his Egyptian taskmasters, so Moses saved his life and killed the Egyptian. The next day Moses witnessed two Israelite men fighting with each other and reproved them. And their answer shocked Moses. Who made you a ruler or judge over us? Truly Israel was not ready to be delivered. Neither did they trust Moses to do this. But this act of Moses revealed the pure motive of his heart. His true desire was to cast in his lot with God's people. At this point, he made his choice. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He disregarded his place in the royal family. He did not want it. Israel was not what Israel was his family. He did not want to be known as part of the family of the heathen Pharaoh and his daughter. He preferred to return to his own family rather than to remain in the king's courts. To Moses, the pleasures of sin were for a season that is fleeting and temporary. The pleasures that satisfy the lust of the flesh, they were not lasting. The things of God's kingdom are forever. And these he preferred over and above the pleasures of sin. All the treasures, pleasures, and wisdom of Egypt could not compare in his mind to his place in God's church and covenant. He preferred, actually preferred, to suffer affliction with the people of God. Imagine that, young people who may be listening. He chose the church above all the pleasures of this world. He preferred to walk in God's ways with his people than to join hands with the wicked of this world and their pleasures. He had it all! He would rather give it all up to cast in his lot with the people of God. 
belonging to God and his kingdom meant more to Moses than all the treasures and wealth of Egypt, more than all the pleasures of sin, that is, the laziness, the frivolous spending of money, the misuse of his time and talents, living only for fun, and such like of Egypt. How are we doing in comparison to Moses? There was nothing stopping him, of course, as the checks and balances of church or parents or godly companions. Moses stood alone, and he stood by faith. This is why Moses did what he did. He lived by faith. From a personal point of view, it would have been much easier for him to stay in Egypt and enjoy his name and prestige. He could have reasoned to himself, "Ah, I'm only one man. What can one man do to deliver an entire nation of people? There's, there's no sense even in trying. Besides, it's more advantageous for Israel if I remain where I am. He could have reasoned that way. But Moses was persuaded in his heart, as had been Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of the blessing God promised to the nation of Israel. This blessing not only included, remember, the land of Canaan, but the heavenly country that Canaan pictured. But the only witness to Moses of this blessing was God's promise made to the patriarchs. It was a promise passed down through the generations of the church then, a promise that lived in the hearts of God's people yet. How often the words of God to Abraham must have been repeated to Moses when he was a little child yet in the home of his parents. I am your God, and you are my people. How often the history of his forefathers may have been discussed when Moses, having grown older, might have visited with fellow Israelites. Moses knew of the promise, but he could see nothing of that promise with his eyes. He could only see it with the eyes of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. That faith characterized Moses. God worked such faith in him. God graciously renewed his heart, perhaps yet as a child. The things he was taught while yet in his parents' home became firmly planted in his young heart. Even in a strange environment, where little could grow, it seems his faith grew and came to fruition. He did not partake of the sinful pleasures of Egypt. He was strong in faith. Though the temptations were all around him, he believed in God. God had instilled in his heart a love for him. He feared God much more than he feared the wrath of the king, as we will learn next broadcast, the Lord willing. Moses knew of God's covenant with him and the people of Israel. He knew of his Messiah that was to come, in whom his sins were forgiven. In this knowledge, he was confident that everything God had promised his people would indeed come true. His actions at this point revealed that faith. Moses did not kill the Egyptian taskmaster out of a fit of anger. This was his first move to deliver Israel. By faith, Moses, when come to years, that is, when he had come to the years of his life that he was capable of making decisions for himself, cast in his lot with God's people. What about us, fellow believers? Do we refuse the pleasures and treasures of this world? Do we live out of faith in the blessed promises God gives his people yet today? Do we live in fellowship with God and refuse the fellowship of the world? These questions stand out in the account we learn of today. The temptations of this world are ever-present danger. By faith, Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the earthly treasures of Egypt, 
Who dares say that the saints in the Old Testament were not saved by faith in Christ? This passage of Scripture proves many wrong when they claim that the Old Testament saints were saved by the laws of Moses and not Christ. The Christ in the Old Testament was known as the coming Messiah, the Hebrew term for Christ. This Messiah was the promised one, the one who would fulfill all the promises given to the fathers. By faith, Moses knew this Messiah, confessed him, and cast in his lot with him in his cause in this world. But that meant bearing Christ's reproach. Christ's reproach is the shame and discrease grace heaped upon Christ that resulted in his painful death on the cross as a criminal. Those who are in Christ must bear his part in that reproach or shame of Christ. That is a reality we face today, too, you realize. When we cast in our lot with the cause of Christ in this world as did Moses, well, we will suffer reproach, too. We will be shunned, ignored, looked at as strange, and even hated for Christ's sake. We ought to expect no different. By faith, Moses was willing to suffer the reproach the people of Israel now experienced. No. Actually, Moses esteemed, that is, preferred. He chose to take on himself that reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Imagine that. He believed that the shame he would experience for Christ's sake was of greater value than all the earthly wealth of Egypt. By faith, we can fully understand why Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ. It is of greater value. It has eternal value. Through his reproach, Christ earned for us the eternal riches of heaven and all the blessings that accompany it in this life. These riches will never disappear. The treasures of this world, all the luxuries, all the comforts we now enjoy, are but for a season. They are temporal and they'll all disappear. With the eyes of faith, we are given to see this reality. The believer is willing to suffer the reproach of Christ because belonging to Christ is in itself the greatest blessing one could ever receive from the hand of God. We are confident that all of this is true, though the blessings we receive are not seen with the eye. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. We learn of Moses' desire at the conclusion of verse 26. He had respect for the recompense of the reward. Now, this cannot be separated, of course, from what we have just explained. But the conclusion of this verse brings up an important truth. Moses chose the reproach of Christ for, or because, he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Literally, we read, he looked away to the reward. In other words, by faith Moses looked away from his present position in Egypt with its pleasures, with its treasures, and he looked to the reward that awaited the people of God. Yes, in Canaan, but ultimately in heaven. Such a reward was incentive to him to give up what he had to pursue so that he could represent the cause of Israel. By faith, the believer embraces what God promises. God promises a reward, a payment due, a recompense, a remuneration. Well, faith lays hold on this. Moses looked for this when he acted in faith. He looked for that city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. 
That was incentive to him, just as it is to us today. Does reaching out to this reward have anything to do with our righteousness before God? Of course not. Does it have anything to do with the cause of our salvation? No. Faith as to our righteousness before God looks only to the work of Jesus Christ alone, but faith apart from justification does embrace what God promises to us as a recompense of the reward. Moses looked at this and he desired this. So do we. We in faith look for the payment of wages due us at the end of time. Wages that are paid only through the precious work of Christ on the cross, but a reward that is ours by God's grace on the basis of Christ's work. That reward gives us incentive in this life to look away from the things that are below to the things that are above. As Paul writes, in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Such faith also motivated Moses to forsake Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. And that we examine in our next broadcast. Let's pray together. Gracious and eternal Father in heaven, we again, are thankful unto thee for the witness that Moses leaves us in his own life. We too are confronted with so many riches and temptations of this present world, and we sometimes are apt to follow in those ways rather than following in faith, looking for that recompense of our reward that is in heaven. Father, we pray, grant unto us thy grace and thy spirit that we might look to the cross of Jesus Christ, and then in looking to Jesus Christ, we might look also forward to that day that Thou hast promised to us. May we live in faith in this world, forsaking the riches and the treasures of this world. We pray these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. The Gospel message you have just heard was sponsored by the Protestant Reformed Churches, through its radio program, The Reformed Witness Hour. We hope that you have been edified and encouraged by this message. If you would like more information about the Reformed faith or the Protestant Reformed churches, feel free to visit our website at reformedwitnesshour.org or email us at mail at reformedwitnesshour.org.